0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there welcome to It's an S-Pod thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So, my guest on the podcast today is Tom Beasley. Hello. Hi there. Thanks for rejoining the podcast in Series 3.
3: Oh, that's quite, that's quite all right. It was always good to go back into the uh, the wild and crazy world of S Club 7.
2: <laughs> so, you're a returning guest from Series 1. How did you find this episode in general compared to the last one you saw from Miami 7?
3: um no one's taught them to act in the intervening years which i find (laughs) quite surprising given the amount of tv they eventually produced
2: (laughs) they didn't have the time tom they were too busy making a tv show to learn how to act in it
3: (laughs) yeah i think you might be right
2: i do think that they're more confident now compared to Series 1. I think you can tell in like the outtakes at the end that they're having a bit of a laugh, aren't they? Whereas Miami 7 didn't have any outtakes, and I can imagine that's probably because they were just terrified the entire time of learning their lines.
3: Yeah, I did enjoy the outtakes. I thought that was a nice little addition. Um, I always like those sort of things, particularly when you've watched something and... It's almost anti-comedic when you're watching it, because none of the jokes land. It's always nice to see that at least they were enjoying themselves. Yeah,
2: they had fun making it. By now, they're like, it's Series 3, starring in a TV show is just everyday life for us. Let's just have a laugh. Let's mess around. Yeah. So today we're talking about Hollywood 7, Episode 4, which is called Doing the Deal. And it aired on CBBC on the 18th of October, 2001. Now, this is quite a significant moment in the show because after 33 episodes of not trying particularly hard, S Club 7 finally get a record deal. (laughs) After the minimal (laughs) effort they've put in, it's finally happening for them. (laughs) And the episode starts with a meeting where their manager, Dean, basically tells them they need to get a record deal ASAP or the management company is going to drop them. Uh, he tells them, oh, there's there's something important you need that you don't have. And Paul goes, yeah, yeah I don't have a, a six foot tall blonde supermodel girlfriend for some reason. I mean, I don't know why. And they're all like, shut up, I th- Paul. I
3: think, yeah, well, my instinct with that was that it was probably the goatee.
2: yeah. <laughs> Paul has some interesting looks in this series. I don't know what happened in the run up to Hollywood 7, but yeah, the sort of bleached blonde tips of the hair, the earring I can't remember if he had that before or if it's just more obvious now, the little goatee, the incredibly baggy clothes. Yeah,
3: it's so weird. You've got like all of the rest of them who are looking like really glam and really like ready to be Hollywood stars, and then he just sort of looks like a divorced dad on a holiday has <laughs> got a bit wrong.
2: Oh, Paul. Maybe this was him, like, having a bit of a crisis in the run-up to him leaving next series.
3: That was it, yeah. That, that was what drove it. He just saw himself in Hollywood 7 and went, Jesus Christ, what have I let myself in for?
2: Oh, Paul. Yeah, because a lot of them are in these quite sort of early 2000s fashions, but whereas someone like Rachel Stevens can just sort of pull off anything... Some of the other guys, it's just like, oh, no. (laughs) But Dean is really kind of dragging everything out. He says, a band without a record deal is like a car without wheels. And at this point, I was like, oh, that's why you've been holding a toy car for the entire scene. (laughs) Because when he says that, he takes the wheels off it.
3: Yeah, I sort of wrote down to ask you, does the boss guy always gesture with a car when he's talking?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is not in character for him that there was an episode a few episodes ago where he there was a whole thing about him wearing lots of nicotine patches and that has not come up since <laughs> well
3: maybe he did it maybe he quit maybe he quit yeah. as well <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was all wrapped up nicely, maybe. (laughs) And then he says, it's like a fish without a fin. And he goes to sort of grab a live goldfish out of a tank in front of him. And the band are all like, no, no,
3: no. Yeah, he's fully about to mutilate a fish in front of S Club 7. It's... (laughs) It was quite quite a start to the show for me, really. I was I was massively struggling.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, the plan is that he's going to send their demo out to lots of record companies and see if anyone bites. And um, they ask him what if no one bites and he's like, well, let's just say a band without a record deal is like a band without a manager. So the stakes are high. I mean, imagine if they just lost everything at this point and the rest of the series was just them back in the UK with dead-end jobs because they failed. (laughs)
3: So have they not had a record deal for all three series at this point?
2: No, and they only got a manager like three episodes ago. They've just been dossing around.
3: So so how have they been funding their journeys to America?
2: With rubbish little jobs, basically. They haven't even gone back to the UK at all because they can't really afford to. (laughs) So they've just been kind of (laughs) doing random jobs. In the previous series, they were living in a house, basically rent-free because they just never paid the rent and the landlord just was too sort of airy-fairy to actually push them for it so they've been very lucky so far and even in this series they've only got a manager now due to luck because (laughs) tina stopped him from being mugged (laughs) and that's how they got a manager basically
3: very strange
2: (laughs) because that's how it works in the music industry you stop a manager from being mugged and then basically say hey you owe me a favor sign
3: us (laughs) sounds about right
2: Yes, Dean is quite odd in this episode. He's giving them quite mixed messages because he kind of scares the band with this ultimatum that they have to get a record deal. And then two seconds later, he's like, welcome to your fancy new house. (laughs) Because they move in, don't they? And the management company is basically paying for it. But he kind of says to them, oh, it's just for a month. And then we'll see how it goes. See if you've got a record deal within the month. So there is a proper time scale within this episode.
3: Yeah, I don't know what sort of rental contract they're able to sign for just a month.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're all very pleased with the house. It definitely looks more sort of grown up than all the places they've lived before. Uh, My personal favourite was they lived at one point in a house on an earthquake fault line for like two (laughs) specials, and then they sort of moved out off screen and it's never been mentioned again. (laughs) I want that house to come back it was massive really empty and echoey so obviously ideal for a filming and all the sound was brilliant Uh, just really (laughs) echoey and like the the reason they gave for it being so cheap was because it was on an earthquake fault line so every now and then in the middle of a scene there would just be like an earthquake and they'd all be sort of jumping around the room like oh no what's happening (laughs)
3: <laughs> like that one scene in Mary Poppins where they have to hold on to all of the things when the uh, camera yeah, goes off.
2: basically. <laughs> Rachel says to Dean, we used to think you were a real pranny, which is a right throwback.
3: Right, so I, I wrote this down because I had no idea what the word was that Rachel had said.
2: I'm pretty sure it's Pranny, and when I looked at it, because I remember that at the time, and, like, I did look it up, and apparently it's a combination between Pratt and Fanny.
3: Yeah, because I thought at first she'd said Fanny, and then I rewound it to try and work out if I was right, and I still, up until right this second, I've had no idea whether I was right or not.
2: (laughs) I, I vaguely remember hearing it before, but I don't know. I think that's a word that's definitely just it maybe it was around for a few weeks at that time and then like in schools and then it just went and no one's gone back to it.
3: <laughs> S Club 7 were trendsetters for about five minutes, maybe.
2: <laughs> so they've settled in and they're sitting around talking about what will happen if they don't get the record deal. And Paul is horrified by the idea that they might have to get proper jobs. Um, John sort of goes into a lengthy description of what a proper job is like. And Paul is sort of screaming at him like, that's not going to happen, is it? And he's grabbing John's arm in terror. (laughs)
3: Look, I'm I'm quite mean to Paul. But as a freelance journalist, I really identified with Paul in this scene. (laughs) It was like, what, I have to get a regular job and work nine to five? I can't do this.
2: Yeah, John's saying stuff about like, oh yeah, you have to be in for nine. You have to laugh at your boss's jokes. He says something about you have to put money into the coffee kitty, which seems quite (laughs) specific to like maybe one office. Yes, it's bizarre. But Paul is Paul is worried. Um, and I love how John is like, you know, well, we've done all we can. We just have to wait now. It's like, mate, that's all you've been doing for this entire show. You've just been waiting around, hoping that something good will happen. This isn't like a change of pace for S Club 7, just waiting around, doing nothing.
3: And here it is, just like
1: Dean and Machine Promise. Wow. I've rented the house for a month. If we get a deal, you can keep it. Woo! Oh, not,
0: yeah. This is the nearest to a Hollywood lifestyle you'll ever get.
1: Oh, you know what, Dean? We used to think you were real cranny.
0: Really? That's
2: not good, is it?
1: And you find us this beautiful house, restore our car. You really are a top bloke. Oh, thanks. I think. Woo! Now this is what I call luxury. Don't get too used to it. It might not last long. I can't believe he's going to dump us if we don't get a record deal. If we don't get a record deal, we don't need a manager. Why not? Because there won't be any Cup 7 and there won't be any point. Yep. Then the only thing we'll be looking for is a new career.
3: What, you mean a proper job? <laughs> yes, Paul, a proper job. You know, where you have to get up at 7 and leave by 8 and be there at 9? We have to wear a suit and you have half an hour for lunch and you eat the same flavoured sandwich every single day. And you have to laugh at the boss's jokes and put 55 pence into the coffee kitty and then just hope that no one catches you playing solitaire on your computer. Uh, Stop, wait,
1: wait, don't say any more. You won't let that happen. That's not going to happen, is it? We don't know. (laughs)
3: There's there's a whole, there's a riveting montage of them waiting. (laughs)
2: Yeah, in different positions. And John has got a sort of soldier's hat on at one point. I don't know if that came with the house.
3: There was a moment where I thought, is, is this just going to be the episode? It's just them sitting around. <laughs> it pretty much
2: is, because, I mean, the subplot that comes up in a bit is basically just them waiting around, but in a more confusing way. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, we find out they've been staring at the phone for about 14 hours because it was 10am before and it, it's now midnight. Uh, yeah, I but, was very
3: confused because the lighting in their room hadn't changed at all. No. <laughs> they are like, it's midnight. I was like, is it?
2: <laughs> yeah, and Hannah sort of walks in, doesn't she? And like, I hadn't noticed that she wasn't there until that point. Um, but I guess maybe that's a bit of a twist. They haven't all been waiting there all day because Hannah has actually been out with someone called Charlie, who is very significant in this episode, but we've never met him before, and we probably won't. Um, (laughs) I'm sure we can imagine, though, because literally every male love interest in this show looks the same. They're all kind of like... (laughs) tall white men with brown hair usually they look a lot older than the age that they're playing so I'm sure we can imagine that is what Charlie looks like I doubt he's sort of broken the mould
3: that's it the, the sort of guy who's uh, prepped to leave the Love Island villa with a boohoo brand deal
2: yeah definitely That that's who we've got in our head as Charlie um, <laughs> and I like how Paul says to Hannah that's not fair we've been sitting here all day like lemons why can't we go out with Charlie yeah <laughs>
3: not just lemons bored lemons
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs) so apparently this was hannah's third date with charlie and joe starts teasing her telling her that she's really predictable because apparently she always falls in love on the third date and hannah is unbelievably offended by this like in this episode hannah thinks that being predictable is the worst thing a person can be and that sort of drives the whole subplot really because she kind of lies to joe doesn't she in this scene she kind of says oh i don't really like him that much actually you know i think i'm thinking of dumping him so you're not that smart are you and joe's like oh i thought you liked him and Hannah's like no 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 i'm not that predictable am i
3: i don't understand why either of them act the way they act at any point yeah <laughs>
2: Yeah. When the feud starts, we'll discuss this because I, it was one of those things where the first time I watched this the other day, I thought one thing was happening and then it turned out it was something different. And it was almost like a a big twist. Like I had to go back and rewatch all of the scenes, but it wasn't a twist. It was just confusing. (laughs) It's just, it's a baffling subplot. And it's one of those things as well, where I think at one point I kind of switched off for a minute And when it came back, I felt like I'd missed about 20 minutes of exposition because I was like, why are they doing this? It's
3: definitely got that vibe to it where you're sure you've missed a scene.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there was a deleted scene where it was all so much clearer. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So Hannah doesn't want to be predictable. Therefore, she says to Joe, oh, I don't actually like Charlie that much. Um, And then she's all like, oh, I bet you think I'm going to go to bed now, but I could do anything. And then she just goes (laughs) to
3: bed. (laughs) Well, so they're talking with Bradley about this. And Bradley says he's going to go to bed. And the way he says he's going to go to bed, which is he he says, I'm going to shoot the sack. (laughs) I didn't even, that didn't even register with me. (laughs) Now, my first thought was, ew. (laughs) 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 I've just never heard that phrase before. And my immediate thought was incredibly unpleasant thing to say to two women.
2: (laughs) I think I was already in a state of some confusion at this point that didn't even register with me as something that was said. (laughs) So I'm trying to understand the dynamic between Hannah and Joe here. Bradley's irrelevant in this scene. I'll just not even (laughs) listen to him
3: no, I'm going to try it later when my other half comes home. She doesn't know I've been watching this, so I'm just going to say, I'm going to go shoot the sack and see what she says.
2: <laughs> she will be horrified.
3: <laughs> and she would be right to be horrified. It's an awful thing to say.
2: And then sort of carrying on this whole Oh Hannah's So Predictable theme, there's a brief scene the following morning where Paul is looking at horoscopes in the paper And Joe is like, oh, I can predict the future better than that. And she then sort of accurately predicts everything Hannah is going to do when she gets up and comes into the kitchen. And again, Hannah is outraged by this. She's like, I'm not predictable at all. Um, (laughs) The day is then gone. We cut to the evening where Hannah is waiting for Charlie to pick her up, but he's late. And Joe at this point is like... Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. He called earlier and I told him you weren't interested anymore. Oh, and he's asked me out as well. And uh, I said, yes, you don't mind, do you? It's so. It's such a curveball. And yeah, yeah, this is where I was so baffled because, yeah, I don't know about you, but when I watched this the other day, my assumption here was that Joe was joking. Like, I assumed. Yeah, because I assumed that, oh, Charlie just hasn't shown up for some reason. Maybe he's called the house earlier and maybe he's told Joe to pass on a message to Hannah and she's forgotten. And now that Joe's remembered, she's kind of teasing Hannah and being like, oh, well, you said yesterday that you didn't like him. So I told him that on the phone, like to get her to admit that she actually does like him. That's what I assumed was happening here. But... It's yeah. not a joke at all. Joe has literally done what she said she's done. She's stolen <laughs> <He's>... Hannah's boyfriend.
3: <laughs> Even the way she delivers it is like it's a joke. Yeah, it's very strange. And I was like, I, I, I immediately assumed it was a joke because if it's not a joke, it's a psychotic way to behave with your friend.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's so bizarre. <laughs>
3: like you told me, like you told me you weren't that bothered by your boyfriend, so I <laughs> broke up with him for you, and then went on a date with him. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Because, yeah, Hannah is like, she just assumes that Joe is telling the truth. And that that's what starts this feud between them throughout the episode. And yeah, throughout the whole thing, I kept expecting there to be a reveal at some point. Where Joe would be like, "Of course, I didn't really do that, you Muppet. I was only joking." Yeah. But it never yeah. happens. Joe has literally <laughs> told Hannah's boyfriend on the phone that she doesn't like him anymore, and then started going out with him herself. Unbelievable!
3: <laughs> it is. It's properly psychotic behavior.
2: What? I don't, what is her motivation? Because. When Hannah said the previous evening, "Oh yeah, I don't actually like him that much." Joe didn't seem to be buying it, did she?
3: No. And it's not <laughs> like she said, "Oh, I quite fancy him. I I I might ask him out." Yeah. If if anything, Paul was the one who was most interested.
2: <laughs> yeah, Paul should have taken that opportunity. <laughs>
3: Definitely, maybe Charlie's into goatees, we don't know.
2: I just love the fact that we never even see him as well. Like, <laughs> maybe he is really attractive and that's why Joe's sort of gone for it, but it's she doesn't seem that bothered either about him. It's like, it's so bizarre. What is her motivation and why, in this And that's episode? why it feels
3: like a joke, because Joe doesn't seem to, like, fancy him and doesn't seem bothered.
2: She's just done it to mess with Hannah and not yeah. even in a sort of teasing way. She's done it in no. a really
1: horrible way. <laughs>
3: It's just really mean and hurtful.
1: <laughs> so annoying. I've waited in all day for the news about the record deal and now I've waited all evening for Charlie. Charlie? Yes, he's late. Yeah, I forgot to say he rang. Oh, and? And I told him that he wasn't that bothered and that you wanted to dump him. You did what? Well, you've got to ring him. Tell him that you were wrong and that you've made a mistake. It's too late. I think he's seeing somebody else. Already? Mm. Who? Well, he's kind of asked me out. I mean, you don't mind, do you? Very funny. You are joking, right? Well, no, because you said you didn't want to be with him anymore and that you wanted to dump him. Yeah, because you kept saying I was so predictable. And you are. Oh, yeah? Mm. <clears throat> we'll predict that. <laughs> I'm going to get you for that, you little squirt. That's so not funny.
0: That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.
2: Uh, This scene ends with Hannah pouring a whole milkshake over Joe's head and saying, predict that, which I think is quite justified, knowing (laughs) the actual truth of the situation. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's a bit harsh. It's just a bit of a laugh. But it wasn't a laugh. It was deadly serious.
3: But Hannah should be angry about the fact Joe's stolen her boyfriend, not about the fact that she's predictable. It's such a weird... And I think that's why we both assumed it was a joke, because Hannah doesn't seem angry about that. She just doesn't want to be predictable.
2: Yeah, and when she tips the milkshake over Joe's head, Joe's kind of... She says, I'm going to get you for that, but she's kind of, like, laughing.
3: Yeah, and, like, all the... Pretty much all the pranks are quite silly pranks, and I assume that's just because it's a show for children. But at the, at the time, I was like, well, these pranks are all quite low level. The way you'd prank someone if you were just having a fun game of pranks or whatever. Not if they'd stolen your boyfriend. <laughs> and, oh, it's Honestly, it's, this storyline just really confused me from start <laughs> to finish. It's oh, it's so... And then we get... Because you get Joe like, fourth wall breaking, looking down the camera when she pulls Hannah out of bed. Yeah, that
2: was weird. Yeah, the first prank is that she like sort of pulls Hannah and her mattress out of bed and dumps her on the beach. And before she does it, Joe gives a little cheeky smile to the camera.
3: <laughs>
2: like it's a proper like hidden camera prank show or something. Yeah. And there Hannah two is clearly... Time, there
3: were two or three times in this yeah. episode that Joe looks down the camera. You'd have thought after three <laughs> series, someone would have told her.
2: <laughs> and Hannah's clearly a very heavy sleeper because she doesn't wake up. She, does, she just wakes up in the morning and is like, oh, I'm on the beach. <laughs> I mean she could have been murdered. <laughs> <laughs> In the morning, Hannah hasn't been to the laundrette, so she asks if she can borrow someone else's clothes, because that's normal apparently. And there's quite an odd exchange where Joe Joe says, You always forget to go to the laundrette, and Hannah goes, Yeah, that's because you're too mean to lend me any clothes. Which does not answer the first point. I don't see how that's connected in any way.
3: I mean, also, this is quite a posh, like, LA villa. It must have a washing machine, surely.
2: Yeah, you'd think so. They're not living in little apartments anymore. Yeah, But yeah, Joe tells Hannah that none of her clothes will fit her anyway, and she calls her Shorty. And Hannah is not happy about this. Bradley very kindly offers to lend Hannah some clothes, which I would like to have seen, but she turns them (laughs) down. Just Hannah wearing like a massive bandana and huge baggy (laughs) jeans and a load of chains.
3: That would have been great.
2: She disappears for a while, so Joe goes to check on her, and Hannah is outside by the pool cutting up all of joe's clothes with scissors to quote make them smaller so they fit her
3: and and she's doing it with like a psychotic smile on her face <laughs> like 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 there's no jeopardy in this situation. they're supposed to be going to a meeting, not pranking each other,
2: yeah, literally the other six are just sitting on a sofa waiting for Hannah to get ready, and she's by the pool, cutting up all these clothes and yeah. I love how when Joe goes up to her, she's using the scissors, and she's making a noise that's kind of like nyan, 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 yeah. it's like yeah. i'm gonna I'm gonna do that from now on when I'm using scissors. <laughs> and obviously obviously joe isn't happy she's like what are you doing and to be fair i've seen joe angrier than this i think i would have been more angry than this when someone was like cutting up all my
3: clothes yeah i don't know if any of the emotions are sincerely held (laughs) because i just i have there's no escalation i don't know she's just kind of like
2: oh why have you done that
3: Yeah, is is Hannah angry about Charlie? Is she angry about being predictable or is she angry about the escalating prank feud? I have no idea. And Joe doesn't seem to care about any of it. (laughs) I just don't know what's going on.
2: Yeah, I've seen Joe a lot angrier than this in situations that were a lot less annoying than having all of your own clothes destroyed. (laughs) And yeah, Hannah makes a comment about Joe stealing her boyfriend and Joe just goes, no, I didn't. And this was the first point where I thought she was going to reveal it was a joke and Hannah would be all embarrassed, but nope, because it isn't a joke. She literally stole her boyfriend. You asked for this, Joe. And it's, yeah, it's, again, baffling. Why does she deny it? Because that's literally what she did. She's just like, no, I didn't.
3: Yeah, I've written on my notebook at this point, just what is going on? Did she really steal (laughs) Hannah's boyfriend? I just don't know. (laughs) If I'm honest, I'm still not 100% sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe if he showed up to the house or something, that would have cleared it up a bit. But Yeah! So the band go to see Dean. There's a weird callback from earlier because there was a whole conversation about, oh, let's see if anyone bites. And did you notice this bit where Paul goes, so did they bite us, you? Like, he literally says it like that, as if that was the best take they had. It's like, (laughs) so did they bite us, you? And then they just move on.
3: There are are a lot of takes in this, particularly with Paul's lines, where I go, how many did they do? And that was the best one. (laughs) Like You have to assume that these are just busy people and they couldn't do many takes, because if these are the best ones, my goodness
2: it's a strange line to begin with as well just because yeah did they bite us sort of makes sense but then the fact that he goes you like (laughs) it's very odd dean sort of talks a load of gibberish at them which they don't understand and i I quite like this bit where hannah stands up and confidently goes i understand we're going to be rich and famous and dean's like they all said no and she just sort of sits down and goes ah possibly not Bless her.
3: Yeah, I liked Hannah in this scene because yeah, H- Hannah was very sweet. much the manifestation of me because every time I thought I understood and I knew exactly where it was going, it would then pull the rug out from me and I had no idea where it was going. <laughs>
2: that, that is the gift that sums up this episode. I understand. <laughs> and then a few seconds later, ah, possibly not. <laughs> It turns out that one company, CBL Records, are the only ones who haven't said no yet because they want more time to think about it. Uh, Dean says they're the biggest and the best. And surprise, surprise, S Club 7 have never heard of them. Because they've got no interest in the music industry at all. They're just kind of (laughs) floating around, not really trying to become successful, waiting for it to just fall in their lap. We don't need to know the name of the most successful record company in the the
3: US. Well, yeah, this was the thing. Because they do... Because back when I last watched it, when we did our previous episode, it was all about the the person from EMI. Oh, yeah. And so that was that was them knowing that EMI were a big deal in in the UK.
2: Yeah, since they've moved to the US, they just their only knowledge is of the UK. They haven't just they haven't integrated or learned anything new.
3: That's it. They didn't Google or what I don't know. Was it Google in 2001? They didn't go and ask Jeeves and <laughs> have a quick look who the uh, who the top record labels were.
2: Then after that, Hannah, Paul and Bradley are on the beach talking about what their lives could be like if the record deal happens. And this happens every now and then in this show where they imagine what success will be like. And it's always some sort of nightmarish vision. (laughs) Like, without fail, it's something just ridiculous. In this one, Bradley is imagining that Hannah will have loads of plastic surgery. (laughs) So he's talking to a sort of Pamela Anderson looking woman on the beach, isn't he? With Hannah's voice dubbed in.
3: Is this a trait of Hannah's in any way, that this would be how we'd expect her to act if she she got money?
2: No, because after the sort of fantasy sequence, she's like, I wouldn't be like that. And Bradley and Paul are both being like, yeah, right, mate.
3: Yeah, as if it's just this accepted fact that as soon as a woman gets money, that's the first thing she's going to do.
2: Poor Hannah. And I love how after that scene ends, Bradley... She's, he's talking to this woman, and then he, like, looks at the camera and is sort of smiling and nodding in a sort of pervy way. Yes. Like, he's pleased with this surgery that Hannah's had.
3: Yeah, as if, so, oh, I can't wait to be rich, so that Hannah's going to go and get fit. What? <laughs>
2: what? Oh, dear. <laughs> Great message no, for, for I the mean, kids. from what we can
3: gather, from what we can gather, Hannah is having no problems with the boys, so... <laughs>
2: Yeah. but When they get successful, though, that's when she's really going to hit her stride. She's going to become... I think I looked this woman up and she's like a playboy bunny.
3: It's just It was so strange to me because the scene, like, there's no... it doesn't mean anything. There's no, like, it doesn't create any <laughs> conflict between them. It doesn't create anything that pays off later. The scene ends almost immediately. There's no... Like, story benefit to this weird scene where we just assume that the first thing Hannah will do is go out and look like Pamela Anderson. And and it it doesn't tell us anything about Bradley. It's so weird. (laughs) Because, yeah,
2: sometimes they have a fantasy sequence where they're like, oh, what's going to happen when we're rich and famous? But, like, you see every member of the band. But here mm. it is literally just Hannah, uh, Bradley imagining what Hannah is going to be like specifically, and then the scene's over.
3: Very strange.
2: Hannah then arrives home and is like, I nearly just got arrested out there. And Joe goes, what for? Being small, annoying, and in a public area? Burn. <laughs> They're all obsessed with Hannah being small, but it's not really that obvious. I looked up how tall she is and according to Google, Hannah's spirit is five foot four, so she's taller than I am. <laughs> so I am like hideous. Have you ever small. been arrested for
3: being small in a public place?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Joe would clearly be horrified by me though. I'm far too small to be an S Club 7. <laughs> But she's been arrested... Well, she hasn't been arrested. She says she's been nearly arrested because someone has cut out the bottom of her jeans so you can see her underwear poking through. And she sort of turns around to reveal this. And Rachel and Tina get to deliver their, like, one line in this episode each and are like, when are you going to stop this stupid feud? It's really childish. But Joe and Hannah aren't interested in stopping it. They're going to escalate it because they're like, you ain't seen nothing yet.
3: Tina gets a few lines early in the episode Where she's like John stop asking me about the time She's just hermione For yeah. John the whole first half of the episode
2: Yeah isn't, there's a bit later on isn't there Where she starts like strangling him Because he keeps asking what the time is Yeah
3: That's And John gives it the full like Throwing his head back and forward
2: Yeah like she's killing me
3: Yeah like Bart Simpson and Homer
2: Yeah so this is where we get a whole montage of pranks. Uh, Joe puts a sort of millipede in Hannah's bed. Uh, <laughs> she also puts a tarantula in the bed, but Hannah sees it and is like, "Oh,
3: yeah, who who are their like prank suppliers? They seem to be able to get access to all manner of insects. So much green slime! I wouldn't know where to yeah. buy green <laughs> slime." <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's like in their shoes. It gets dropped on (laughs) Hannah's head when she comes out of the bathroom. Just buckets of green slime.
3: I I do wonder whether it was just in the noughties, slime was just easier to come by, given it was on every children's TV show.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you could just buy crates of it and just sort of dunk yourself in it. That's it, yeah. Although isn't slime quite big now? Like, it's a sort of a youtube or tiktok thing where people are like making slime but i don't think it's in vast quantities like this it's more like some pretty glittery slime
3: yeah that's it i think it's i I think that's sort of artistic slime rather than this which is just like like (laughs) saturday morning tv gunge
2: yeah it's almost like a sort it's like a liquidy consistency isn't it because joe shoves her foot into a shoe and all this green slime just bursts out of it yeah um Hannah also washes her face with some soap and it makes her skin go a sort of grayish black color and she She definitely should have noticed earlier than she did because she's literally yes. like an inch away from a mirror, and she suddenly opens her eyes and has an entirely gray face and it's like
3: joe like i don't I don't at any point know whether they were sincerely upset by these pranks or not. <laughs>
2: Because again, it's like from scene to scene, sometimes Joe's is having a bit of a giggle. like when she, Even when she's the victim of a prank, she's giggling yeah. a bit. And then in the next shot, she looks furious. Yeah. It's like, nobody told them this. Maybe this was the culmination of like two different plots about pranking and they've just smashed them together and didn't change <laughs> any of the expressions. <laughs> but it all sort of goes a bit too far, doesn't it? Because Bradley gets caught up in it. He, he opens a jar of peanut butter and something springs out and you can tell that, um, that Bradley, the actor, knows that something's coming because he sort of turns his face away as he's opening the jar in a really unnatural <laughs> way because he knows something's coming
3: it's so it's so bizarre that like this was where the line was like they were putting live animals in each other's beds and then bradley experiences the most minor prank ever he's like right this is it i'm squashing this
2: (laughs) and then a sort of a boxing glove comes out of a cupboard doesn't it it's like how did they know how did whoever put it there know that that specific member of the band was going to open the cupboard. Like they did they surely they could have predicted that Bradley was going to get caught in the crossfire.
3: Yeah, I like the way when Bradley opened the the, the peanut butter and whatever it was popped out. Like Joe just really casually goes, Oh, sorry, that was meant for Hannah. It makes me think that all <laughs> of the members of the band had been experiencing these pranks. And that maybe their aim wasn't as good as we think it was. Maybe there were lots of occasions where, you know, for example, John opens a cupboard and gets a boxing glove in the face. Or-
2: Because it gets mentioned earlier, doesn't it, that Hannah likes to have banana and peanut butter in a sandwich, but surely she's not the only one using the peanut butter in the whole band. No. Joe's misjudged that.
3: (laughs) there is a whole thing about sandwiches isn't there they seem to think that what you have in your sandwich really shows how interesting you are because when there's the whole monologue john does about having a 9 to 5 job he's going on about you have to have the same thing in your sandwich every day like that's the thing yeah. that's most horrifying
2: yeah like that's that's somehow decided for you like you <laughs> yes. can't mix up your own lunch you just have to eat the same sandwich every day those are the rules of having a 9 to
3: 5 job yeah, like that's it on the day you get your employment contracts They're like, you have been assigned, cheese sandwich.
2: (laughs) I mean, they've never really had a proper office job, so maybe that's what they think is is the rules. Maybe. So, yeah, Bradley tells them they have to stop. He's had enough. And, yeah, this is the point where he says that Joe should just stop seeing Charlie if that's what's causing all the problems. And this is the point where I fully realised wait, so Joe did actually steal Hannah's boyfriend. This wasn't all just a misunderstanding. She did that. But it, annoyingly as well, it was all for nothing because Joe is like, oh, I've stopped seeing him already. Isn't that great? Yeah,
3: but I like both of them seem to agree that Charlie is a really dull and uninteresting person. <laughs> so why they've gone to war over him, I don't know.
2: Yeah, because she says that Hannah can have him back, which as if that's how it works. And <laughs> Hannah's like, mm, I've gone off him now anyway. And Joe <laughs> is like, so what's all this about then? Like, it's because you stole the boyfriend, Joe. Just because she's gone off him now, that doesn't make it all okay. It's like, what's all this fuss about then if you don't want him back? <laughs>
3: It's so strange. I just don't understand it, even now.
2: At the end, the feud is really sort of muted, isn't it? Because Joe just sort of turns to Hannah and goes, "Can't we stop it?" And Hannah yeah. goes, "Yeah, all right." Yeah,
3: <laughs> no, I was running out of slime anyway.
2: <laughs> We've used every type of animal in each other's beds. <laughs> And then, yeah, Joe offers to make Hannah a sandwich and she asks for yoghurt and chutney because she's still trying to maintain this idea that she's unpredictable. And there's a shot of Joe just spooning some yoghurt onto a slice of bread. Very bleak.
3: Yeah, it is. Why do they have yoghurt and chutney and bananas and peanut butter all just to <laughs> hand at the same time?
2: Yeah, it's disgusting. Just out at the breakfast table, a bit of chutney on the table as you do.
3: Yeah, really, really strange.
2: And this the scene ends with Bradley sitting down on a chair and it sort of collapses under him. And the girls are like, sorry, Bradley. Again, not very targeted pranks that could have injured anyone.
3: Yeah, it's not like they have specific chairs.
2: <laughs> no. Yeah, they only moved in like two days ago and they've just like ruined the house by just doing yeah. all these ridiculous pranks. There's green slime all over the floor now.
3: Yeah, all over all their clothes, we've established they don't have a washing machine. <laughs>
2: All of Joe's clothes now are tiny. It would have been good if in the rest of the episode she was wearing these like ruined clothes.
3: I mean, they all wear like crop tops all the time anyway. How would you tell? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, she's made the crop top even smaller and yeah. she's made the pedal pushers into shorts.
1: <laughs> you know, you guys gotta stop, you know that. This is getting ridiculous. I mean, you're not even getting each other anymore. You're getting me, and I ain't even done nothing wrong. Sorry, sorry. Joe. Can't you just stop seeing Charlie if that's what's causing all this? I have stopped seeing him. Oh, well, (laughs) there you go. How come? Well, you're right, he's not that great. You can have him back if you want. I don't want him back. I was the one who didn't like him in the first place before you didn't like him, remember? Yeah, but I thought you did, and that was the whole point. Well, I've gone off him, though. So what's all this about, then? Not sure. Well, you know, can't we stop here? All right. Thank goodness for that. Do you want a sandwich? Yes, go on
2: then. So the band gets summoned by Dean again, and obviously they're hoping for some good news. Uh, This is the bit where Tina starts strangling John to try and calm him down somehow. (laughs) Um, And they they meet Dean outside this time, and he has a a group of men with him. He tells the band that CBR Records have said maybe... And Bradley launches into this rant where he's like, those airbrained men in suits don't know what they think. We don't need them. And obviously the men with Dean are from CBL Records. So Bradley's embarrassed and tries to turn on the charm. Luckily, it doesn't really affect anything, though. Imagine if that like lost them the deal because Bradley was an idiot.
3: Who does he think those men were? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just some hangers-on. Did he think like Dean had just bought some of his mates for an ice cream or something? Like what? <laughs> what did he think?
1: They're
2: mostly wearing like big suits as well, aren't they? They're clearly like okay. official looking men. <laughs> Oh, Bradley. But yeah, it, it doesn't really have an impact on anything. No, it has it t-
3: literally <laughs> no impact on anything. I, I wouldn't hire them if they'd said that to me.
2: Yeah, it turns out they've come to this meeting because they want to see the band in action before they make their final decision. Uh, so they're going to watch a rehearsal that they're going to do for a, a gig that's apparently coming up Uh Thankfully, the band bring out the big guns and they perform Don't Stop Moving. First time in this show, still a banger. Yeah, I, I looked up this song and yeah, it is, it's is—it's their biggest selling single overall. And um, this is a throwback. Apparently, it knocked uh, Survivor by Destiny's Child off number one in the UK. <laughs> and then they got knocked off by Jerry Halliwell, It's Raining Men. Uh, but then a few weeks later, they went back to number one again. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what a time for the UK singles chart.
2: <laughs> what a time to be alive. Yeah, it was It was the, the UK's seventh biggest selling song of the year. I, I read that apparently Bradley said he was quite nervous about, like, taking the lead vocals in this song because he thought the fans might not like it.
3: <laughs> Aww oh i mean it's really and like it's it's one of their best songs so i was quite pleased because i yeah. you know, like it's it's because i don't watch most of these episodes obviously it was quite look of the draw what song i was gonna get so i was quite pleased i got like one of the big like you say one of the big guns
2: yeah and i it would have been annoying if like they were like right we need to impress this everything's riding on this one performance and then they just did like an album track or something yeah
3: no, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And like, I, I think it's nice that Bradley gets lead vocals on Don't Stop Moving. It makes it one of the more interesting and like different songs. Like, We're very used to seeing Joe get lead vocals on almost everything.
2: Yeah, it's really good. And I, I like how we get occasional shots of Dean dancing supportively, like he's yes. um, Amy Poehler in Mean Girls. Yes. <laughs> he's like, you go, guys. <laughs> I've also written down, John takes any chance he'll get to do The Worm. <laughs> um, and Bradley does a little bit of break dancing as well which I don't think I've seen before he's uh he's obviously stepped up he's like right I'm the lead in this song I need to learn some break dancing moves to get those
3: out that's good fun I, I liked the music in this episode because I like because the theme tune for this series is you which is yeah. I think is like a really underrated S Club 7 single
2: yeah I think they released it after Don't Stop Moving and mm. yeah it, it's definitely um it's not as well known but yeah it's quite sort of Beat, isn't it i think at this point this is their third album and i think they've kind of said before that it's the album they're proudest of like it felt more like they'd sort of found their sound like when i listen to it it does feel like yeah this is the s club that i remember
3: yeah was it was it sunshine was it called sunshine
2: uh yeah because the first two albums there's you know obviously there's songs like reach and stuff which is yeah. still very well known. But then some of the other songs, it's kind of like a bit of a mishmash of different genres and stuff. So yeah, they they do their performance. And afterwards, the guys from the record company are having a discussion and the band are sort of watching them from a distance, trying to like lip read and figure out if it's good news or bad news. And I, I really enjoyed John in this scene. John is looking over there like, he's drinking coffee. That must be good, right? He's getting
3: really involved. Why Why is the record company man so furious?
2: I don't know. And he, he isn't really making the decision, is he? I guess it's going back to what Bradley said before when Bradley was kind of like, oh, they can't make decisions themselves. And then it's a bit of a joke that the guy doesn't actually make the decision himself he's got these three sort of spotty teenagers surrounding him and they're the ones who kind of say oh yeah you really liked it in his ear
3: yeah but so all three of them say contradictory things and he picks the one he likes best which is just him making a decision so what was what was the point of it
2: yeah, true. Because they all look quite unsure, don't they? They're all like, "You liked it."
3: Yeah, one of them says, "Oh, you thought it was okay," and then one of them says, "You really liked it," and the other one says, "No, you loved it," and then he just goes with that one. It's very odd.
2: <laughs> the S Club Seven's lives were on the line there, and it was it yeah. was hit and miss. And I like in the cast list, those guys are just called flunkies because they all look about 17 like when you're like wearing a suit for the prom like your dad's suit that's what they look like (laughs) and just before that actually i like the bit where he comes over and well the band sort of pose and smile in a really creepy way like he's coming over and they all pose and then they try to look aloof so they just turn their backs on him. That's, and yeah, then when really he strange. does when he does eventually come over and he says hi, John goes, He just said hi. What does it mean? <laughs> I really enjoyed John in that scene. Yeah. That did make me laugh. I, I
3: can't believe this guy hired them. So <laughs> the first <laughs> thing they did was insult him. And then they're, they're <laughs> acting so strangely after the performance. <laughs>
2: yeah they just turn their back on him and clearly talking about him in a very strange way and he's like you're hired we're signing you because yeah they 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 sort of ask him what the verdict is and the men around him are like uh and then he's like yeah i loved it so the episode just ends with the band celebrating jumping around with dean dean's very pleased with himself obviously um they finally got a record deal what a moment for the show
3: Yeah, the episode just finishes. Like, I don't know, I I, I maybe could have done with like a final scene just to like put a pin in it. Particularly particularly seeing as most of the episode, we haven't really cared about the record deal storyline. It's been about this weird prank feud.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that is like most of the screen time.
3: It would have been a good time to bring in Charlie and like have like Joe and Hannah go, oh, actually, neither of us care about you. We prefer being friends. Hooray and like have a nice moment with them rather than just ending
2: yeah maybe if the episode maybe if it had literally finished with you know don't stop moving big performance and then at the end it just sort of cuts to the record guy and he's like we'll sign you like as a big celebratory thing but it's they have this whole scene afterwards where he's like "Mm, it was all right I suppose I mean I don't really know what to do it's a bit of a downer and then they get signed and it's quite
3: arbitrary yeah, it's awful. It's really strange.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so any any final thoughts at all? Did you have any other notes that we didn't get to?
3: <laughs> I don't think so. Just sheer confusion really for most of the
2: Yeah, it is it's very confusing. Like I said, I watched it the first time. And my perception of what was happening kept changing. So then when I rewatched it, I was like, OK, now I know what's happened. It'll make more sense. And it doesn't.
3: Yeah, I think like in a lot of these shows, which are like uh, star vehicles for like a musician or whatever, what you do is you put the musician or the band in and you surround them with really competent actors. So it doesn't matter if they're not as good because everyone else lifts it up. But in this, I don't think there's anyone who's a good actor (laughs) in the whole thing.
2: Yeah, in Miami 7, they were doing a lot of stuff with um, Howard and Marvin at the hotel, weren't they? Like, they were sort of woven into the storylines with the band. And then after that series, they got rid of them because they were kind of like, oh, we want the show to just focus on the band, And that's all well and good, but they're just kind of left to their own devices and occasionally a grown-up comes in, like the landlord or the manager, but the rest of the time it's just the band interacting with each other and it's all very disorientating a lot of the time.
3: Yeah, I don't know, it just, like, it feels like they're just missing a couple of scenes, like one scene to actually explain what was going on between Hannah and (laughs) Joe.
2: Yeah, what is the appeal of Charlie?
3: And then just like, yeah, just like a little pin in it at the end. I could have done without the weird plastic surgery seed. Oh
2: yeah. Could have done without the uh, what was it? I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot the sack.
3: Shoot the sack. Oh Bradley. <laughs> he has such a mixed episode, does dear Bradley? He gets his performance at the end and he's really fun. But he also in- innovates one of the more disgusting phrases I've ever heard. <laughs>
2: Yeah, he 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 needed um he needed Don't Stop Moving at the end to like he restore did, his did. um
3: confidence. He really did. That's yeah. it. Whenever Brad Bradley does anything wrong, you could just go, "Yeah, but do you remember Don't Stop Moving?" And you go, yeah, actually.
2: That's Always one of the best forgiven. things the
3: band ever did. So
2: <laughs> you can say shoot the sack as much as you want, Bradley.
3: <laughs> I I hope I never hear anyone say it again. <laughs>
2: i'm gonna i'm gonna keep well I'll, I'll keep an eye out if anyone says it in the show from now on i've got a feeling it was a one-off but we'll have to see <laughs> i
3: i have the same feeling
2: <laughs> same with the word pranny as well yes <laughs> so before we finish where can people find you on twitter and is there anything like your podcast that you'd like to plug
3: Yes. So um, yeah, my freelance journalism stuff, you can find all of that uh, via my Twitter account, which is uh, Tom J Beasley. I vigorously self-promote everything I do over there. Um, And uh, yeah, it would also be great if you could support my podcast, which is Everything From Nothing, the Waterloo Road podcast. I have picked a different niche TV show (laughs) from the (laughs) noughties to focus on. We go through every episode of Waterloo Road, the BBC's school-based drama from the noughties. Um, We've also had some interviews with cast members, which is really great. We've got a Patreon page with extra content, all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, It's a lot of fun as I express my fandom of the show and my co-host wonders why I've dragged him into this whole thing and why we've been doing it for over a year now. (laughs) Um, But yes, it's a very fun podcast. Um, You can search for it on all of the podcast platforms or you can follow it on Twitter or Instagram where it is Waterloo Road Pod.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review.